0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Welcome to the Quadcast, a Yale Divinity School podcast. In our fourth episode, graduate student Emily Judd and Yale professor Tisa Wenger discuss the current state of religious freedom in America. She shares how the Trump administration's Muslim ban has parallels in 19th century American politics.
1: There was very strong suspicion, fears of Catholic immigration, and there were Debates in Congress over whether the number of Catholic immigrants should be
0: limited. Professor Wenger weighs in on the yet-decided Supreme Court case regarding the Colorado baker who refused to make a cake for a same-sex couple.
1: It's a matter of equal treatment and public accommodations.
0: And she discusses the recent protests in Iran a country that defends its official state religion for the sake of national unity.
1: Sure, having a unified religious identity can be a unifying factor in a culture,
0: but it's just not the reality. (laughs) Welcome, Professor Wenger. Thank you. It's good to be here. This month marks a year since President Trump barred visitors and refugees of six majority Muslim countries from entering the United States. Critics called the order Islamophobic, while the president said it's not religious discrimination, since the order does not ban all Muslims from traveling here, but just the six nations linked with terrorism. Do you think the order is discriminatory? Um, short answer, yes, <laughs> I
1: do. Um, it was this, this order. I think it's very clear from Trump's campaign rhetoric and from um, all of the rhetoric that has happened around the order that the goal really was to limit the number of Muslims coming into the country. The administration, whether Trump himself knew this or not, the administration and the people around him know perfectly well that it would never pass constitutional muster to simply say no Muslims can enter the country. And so they're finding this way to couch it.
0: And one of the things that I was thinking when I heard about this is the ban gives priority to religious minorities living in the six countries for entrance into the United States. So for instance, Christians in Syria. So if religion is a consideration of who can and who cannot enter the country, how is that not religious discrimination? In American history, do you know if there has ever been a precedent for restricting immigration based on religion? Uh, that's a really good question.
1: There there actually are precedents to this. One example in which the rhetoric against immigrants was especially strong in religious terms was around um, Catholicism in the 19th century. And at various periods, you know, in the late 19th and early 20th century, and even in even earlier, there was very strong um, suspicion, fears of Catholic immigration, and there were debates in Congress over whether the number of Catholic immigrants should be limited. There were. In the 19th century, not laws passed, um, but there were many proposals made in Congress, made and, made
0: and debated in Congress. There's a current debate that I was going to ask you about. Six years ago, a gay couple walked into a bakery in Colorado, and the baker declined to design a custom wedding cake for them. The baker said his Christian faith, he identifies as an evangelical, prohibited him from creating cakes for same-sex marriages. The couple sued him, and now the United States Supreme Court is wrestling with whether the baker has the constitutional right to refuse to make a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. The case boils down to the baker's First Amendment claims against the gay couple's anti-discrimination argument. What's your prediction for the outcome of the case? Uh, I mean, I can make... I can make my prediction. I'm not not sure that
1: I'm a very good <laughs> <laughs> well, you know a <laughs> prophet, lot about this, but I can subject. also make a. Uh, I can also say what I think the the outcome should be in my view. Um, I, I I fear that the court will decide in favor of the baker, and I disagree. If that is the case, I disagree with that outcome. Um, the Supreme Court in recent years seems to have taken a really. Um, Conservative turn in interpreting religious freedom in the in the in these kinds of cases. There are difficulties in these issues. It's not that I think the baker has no legitimate case to make, um, but ultimately, um, the anti discrimination laws that we have in this country, I think, need to be honored. And, you know, it's a matter of equal treatment and public accommodations. I've been influenced in my thinking about this by um, a book called Religious Freedom in an Egalitarian Age by a legal scholar, Nelson Tebbe. Um, who talks about... um all um, a variety of things, but among the things he talks about are um, public accommodations law and a kind of common law tradition, whereby if businesses are opening their doors to the public, there's an expectation that they're going to serve everybody on equal terms. And you know, when you look at um, debates in the courts over religious freedom, you will see the Supreme Court justices sort of um scrambling and maybe wrestling a little uh, bit improvisationally even to define what religion is in order to make uh I- I- which they do sort of case by case <laughs> because the um the constitution and the first amendment doesn't describe doesn't define what religion is it just says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or the free exercise thereof and this you know it's a powerful amendment, it's a powerful ideal but because religion isn't defined there um, the courts and also the people who appeal to that amendment in a whole variety of ways and for a whole variety of reasons are left sort of to define it for
0: themselves. So one thing that this discussion brings to mind is a case that I consider religious freedom, quote unquote, religious freedom gone too far. There was a church in Florida this past year, uh, or actually, sorry, not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before that, who put up a nativity scene Mm -hmm. and someone who is involved with the, a satanic cult, I believe put up, um, a satanic shrine right next to it. And that was, uh, they were permitted to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, and so maybe that's my own prejudice that, um, I don't really know if that is a religion, but, but then again, that's, it's going to your question of what do we find as a religion? Um, not that I would have a problem if they put it up maybe somewhere else. I mean, having it right next to something seems like it is um, purely just for provocation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it is pure. It is for provo-
1: provocation. I'm not sure that it's a bad thing, actually, to provoke in that way. Um, in my understanding, uh, I mean, I actually don't know much about this particular case, but there is a... Church of Satan that um, that y- you can go look up online and um, they'll explain who they are and and what they believe and and um, I think some of them see themselves as a as religious in a quote-unquote sincere sense right <laughs> um, but they say that the 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 you know the 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 beings that they would um, you know that that, that that their Satan is not the Satan of Christianity, right um, on the other hand, others involved in that movement, as I understand it, are um, precisely trying to provoke and to make a legal and constitutional point that if a um you know, Christian nativity scene is allowed on this kind of public land, then anybody claiming a religious identity should be able to do the same thing. And if not, then there is a de facto religious establishment, which is unconstitutional,
0: right? But um, that seems like so it could snowball so much in terms of what people, they could just direct anything that could be very offensive. Let's say – um, something that could be discriminatory as well, or something like that, and then just say, "Oh, mm-hmm. I'm part of this religion, and it's part of my belief yes. system." Yes,
1: yes, it's true. This is tricky, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's a very
0: tricky topic. But one what of the-
1: should be, and there have this the, your point there, I think, gets at a perennial debate on the question of religious freedom is. What is the, you know, where are the limits and where should the limits be and who gets to decide? Like, because um, religious freedom has never been and I think never could
0: be absolute. And uh, turning to a completely different issue, but it's come up in the news so much with the protests going on in Iran, countries with official state religions like Iran, they argue that religious pluralism splits up the population and that a national religion unites the people. What do you think of this argument? And obviously, we in the United States have diversity of religion. So, does that always mean we're going to have division?
1: Um, I think division exists in any human community. (laughs) Even in Iran, we clearly are seeing this. (laughs) Precisely. There is no unity in Iran. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, uh, but, you know, having said that, you know, sure, having a um, unified religious identity can be a unifying factor in a culture, but but it's, but it's just not the reality. <laughs> it's not the reality in Iran. It's not the reality anywhere in the world. It's certainly not the reality in the United States. And I don't think it should be the reality or the goal. And I think that um, religious diversity and, um, it, you know, Yes, sometimes may be a divisive factor, but there are many other divisive factors as well, and it can also
0: be an enriching factor. And how would you define religious liberty? I know you have this fascinating new book out. It's Mm -hmm. called Religious Freedom, The Contested History of an American Ideal. And you write extensively about religious freedom in America. What would your own, I guess, definition be of religious freedom? You know... That
1: is a harder question for me than it should be. and there are two reasons for that. Uh, one is that I that religious liberty is very slippery and hard to define because it depends so much on how you define religion. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. And the other reason that is a hard question for me to answer is because that really has never has never been the primary concern of my own research and scholarship, right? I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to s- kind of slip out or back out of answering the question, but I've never come to a clear prescriptive position on what religious liberty is. I clearly have ideas about what it shouldn't be and what it, you know, but I have never come to a clear definition of it because that's not the research question I was ever asking. The research question that I was asking had more to do with how people historically do define it and also what they do with it. Not what it is or should be, but how people deploy this idea and and how it has functioned culturally, what kinds of cultural and political work it has done in American history. So, um, you know, I can tell you lots about how people have defined it in all different ways and have um, used it to advance their own interests and also how sometimes um, in making religious freedom arguments. So religious freedom is a very culturally and politically powerful ideal in the United States and has been, you know, um, more or less since ever since the time of the American revolution and, and the passage of, and then the passage of the first amendment. Right. Um, but because of the kind of cultural power of this idea, um, I think, it encourages people to frame their concerns in that way, so uh, it makes for a powerful argument, and so then that shapes how people think about their own traditions. It shapes how people um, you, the the concerns that people bring forth and how they shape how they frame those concerns, and so um, I think the cultural power of religious freedom impacts people's own identities and impacts people's own um,
0: understanding of their own traditions. Thank you, Professor Wenger, so much for joining us today. I've learned a lot and I think the audience will as well. Well, my pleasure and thanks for the interview. It's been a fun conversation.